0: Town TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast.
1: What? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you.
2: Joe, we are officially, I think, past the Oliver storyline. We got a we got a sor- series wrap on Oliver last week,
3: yes, right? Yes. Yes. Oliver is presumably in a mental institution, but let's be real—he probably is just in a different town at another one of his parents' hotels,
2: continuing to do his thing. Uh, yeah. So. We are at episode 19 season one the heartbreak mm-hmm. uh which t- the there's only one word to describe this episode Joe and that word is sex it is <laughs> it is it is a it is a sex episode it's a sexapode, if you will Marissa just being crazy ass Marissa <laughs> is like.
3: It's, it's like, like C- All right, can C- we just pretend? We're crazy ass for up in here. Yeah.
2: She's just like, you know what? Let's just pretend the entire Oliver thing didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And let's not just get back together, but let's start having sex. And like Ryan is just like, no. Like, <laughs> like, I went through like a month of everyone thinking that I was a psychopath for trying to tell you what was so obvious to me and a million viewing audience members like no i'm not just going to be like okay forgive and forget let's move on like like i'm your i was your boyfriend you should have trusted that i wasn't just being jealous when i wasn't ever a jealous douchebag about you hanging out with luke or any of that other stuff like marissa's crazy in this in in thinking that this is like going to be acceptable um but then simultaneously seth mm-hmm. cohen is trying to ask Summer out. And boy, mm-hmm. did I love Summer just being like, oh, cool, so you just like want me to be your second choice rebound. And I'm like, yes, Summer, drop some facts on Seth Cohen. But then, the Joe, this goddamn show, <laughs> where Seth Cohen says what I would consider to be the least persuasive, sexy compliment, and like women just soak through their panties with excitement when he says it. it happened when he was trying to explain why he couldn't choose between Anna and summer. Mm-hmm. And it happens here where he's like, you're not my second choice. You were just always the first choice, but I had to go through Anna to know that or whatever. And then she's just
3: like, take my virginity, Seth Cohen. Like, are you fucking kidding me <laughs> well <laughs> like, it wasn't so much take my virginity as like i will it's a lie of omission like i'm not telling yeah. you that like it's also first of all uh it's just seth thinking that like summer has had sex already mm-hmm. and all of that but but yeah it is it's like the bare minimum right it's like you're not you're not just the other girl you're the only girl and i'm like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean i mean but like but like also <laughs> like, facts, right? Because like I have felt that way. I'm like, "You know what? I can't I can't get this person out of my head because you know, they're the person who I'm like still thinking about or whatever." And I've had definitely like known people who have been in that kind in situationships where when it gets too serious, it's like, "No, I'm still having feelings for someone else."
2: Well, we got to talk. I let's let's focus real quick on the Seth and and summer stuff because okay. it's probably also where I have the most notes right now. Yeah. But they, he, just like you said, you weren't the other girl. You were the only girl type i idea. And summer's just like, do you have a condom? And they go to it. And then we get this shot post sex. Mm-hmm. And first of all, there's just the perfect line delivery of Seth going. So that was sex. Um, yeah, and then Summer goes downstairs and Joe we get a shot of Adam Brody laying in this bed where I swear the camera is cut off just before his dick is visible it is so gratuitous <clears throat> I was like what is
3: happening Matt <laughs> it delights me so much that you a cishet white man is bringing this up because I was ready to like Be have an expansive disquisition on how my sexuality (laughs) developed from seeing what from seeing him adding Brody's treasure trail, like (laughs) little happy trail. Yeah, like I couldn't believe what I was
2: looking at on a television show. At like eight o'clock on an evening. Yeah. I mean,
3: like, it was also but that see, would be sexy for like an HBO show at midnight. Like uh, No, I mean, uh, not necessarily. I think it was a little I think it was a little risque for the time for Fox in like the aughts, right? I think that is correct. I think now, I mean like fuck, like HBO's showing people like, you know Well, they show a lot of hang and dong these days, but uh, still, yeah, like Yeah. And I think that like for Here's the thing. Like, I... Do you know what an otter is in the gay community? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. What it's an It's Adam Brody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of... Adam Brody is, like... He's, like, approaching otter if he didn't, like... Because he's trying to be a teenager. If he didn't, like, shave any of his chest hair, he would definitely be an otter. But, like, he is definitely more in twink category. But, like, this whole thing with a little with like that you know uh going right down the middle like it's a whole <laughs> lovely, lovely thing and I knew then um, I would well I mean I knew that there was something something is stirring there um, something was stirring I... in that moment Now was something still stirring <laughs>
2: later on in the episode when Adam Brody is pointing out that he's terrible at sex. Um, And finally decides that he needs to consult Sandy Cohen about how bad he was at sex. And that's when we get the most Seth Cohen, like, summing up what my expectations of Seth Cohen in bed actually is, when Sandy says the words foreplay, and he says, for what? (laughs) And I'm like, of course, of course, the idea... Of buttering up somebody before you not, just get to thrusting not buttering would be up. lost on Seth, Seth Cohen.
3: <laughs> not buttering up, Matt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw around whatever phrase I wish to. But... White meat, dark meat, all will be carved. <laughs> um um
3: that yeah, conversation was just like that was the idea awful. that
2: that there is no foreplay in seth cohen's love making is the least
3: shocking information of this episode but like but like but like okay let's really think about it though though matt like if there was no foreplay that means they kissed she put the condom on and like he went right in like <laughs> He slipped I in also there.
2: appreciate that you correctly assume that Summer had to put the condom
3: on. For oh, so- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Of the two of them, who was probably paying attention in sex ed, or at the very least, like you know, at a, like a you know a cheerleader event or something, you know, put a condom on a banana. Like absolutely, she was the one who did it.
2: Insane. And then they. She he somehow convinces Summer to give him another shot. Mm-hmm. And it's also not great. Um, so then he's sitting and chatting to Captain Oates because he discovers that Summer has Princess Sparkle. Uh, and that's that's a kind of a cute scene where he's just like, I'm sorry, dude, I ruined it. She had a she had a Princess Sparkle that would have been perfect for you. Um, and this is when Summer finally informs him that. She goes, you weren't the only virgin in that room. And he goes, there was someone else in the room? Because he can't possibly wrap his head around the fact that Summer, the 17-year-old, could possibly be a virgin the same way that he is. Mm -hmm. I did write, Summer is a virgin. That is scandalous. Uh, It's not really scandalous. But that's not the end of the sex talk, Joe, because like we said, Ryan and and Marissa have their own thing happening. And the line delivery of the entire episode comes from a conversation between Marissa and Summer where they're lying on the beach Mm -hmm. and it's this quick back and forth. And Marissa says, he hates me. And Summer says, he doesn't hate you. And then Marissa says, he turned down sex. And Summer goes, you might be onto something. (laughs) And like the snappy back and forth, like that was... Again, I, we reference it all the time, but that's some like Gilmore Girls level quick-witted back and forth dialogue happening in that moment. But I'm fully with Ryan like wanting to put up some fucking walls right now yeah. and be like
3: you put me through hell. You were like about to let me get expelled for this dude. Yeah. Like you're about to put me through hell. You like you didn't believe me when I it was I who believed in you like I'm trying to protect you I'm trying to save you from yourself because I care about you so much and now it's this situation and it's just like you know when you look at it the Oliver stuff is there to kind of put these next these last episodes of you know the fourth season in the first season Yeah,
2: this show oh yeah I mean I figured out who the big bed is for the next four to five episodes I guess because (laughs) Teresa's back Teresa's and that's back. all we know in this episode is just Teresa's back for a little bit she's doing some catering work um, I do love this character mm-hmm. like like when she showed up on screen I legitimately was just like oh <laughs> like I like Teresa I like the history of like Teresa and Ryan mm-hmm. I enjoyed her in the Thanksgiving episode quite yep. a bit are they probably going to make me dislike Teresa by the end of
3: this storyline it's possible. It's possible, uh, but I'm curious. Like, I I like where your head is at because I, I'm curious to as to like as we go on, especially with the next episode. I'm very I don't know if that's gonna be, you know, I'm I'm curious to see where you're gonna go.
2: Yeah, I mean we'll see. But that's kind of where we're left right now is immediately following the pseudo love triangle of marissa ryan and oliver we are now in the pseudo love triangle of marissa ryan and Teresa. Mm -hmm. soon next week to be a four-way
0: what's up everybody this is brian here to tell you about our podcast binge town tv
1: What? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. What? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you.
2: But we're still not done talking about sex on this episode, Joe, nope. because the grossest thing in this episode is, of course, the continued budding romance Of Julie Cooper and Luke. Um, Romance
3: is such a strong word for what they're doing. (laughs) They're just, it's not romance, it's fucking. Like they are fucking.
2: I have so many problems with this. The creepiest part, which does lead to a very funny line, but the creepiest part is Luke explaining to her the game ultimatum and how she's always been the mom that guys have voted for in Ultimatum is that if a thing? they could no. Okay. Like what he's what he's essentially talking about is just straight up if you've ever been like, yo, that girl's mom is a MILF. Like like yeah. he's just somehow turning it into a game that guys play when like, no, at the most guys will just be like, dude, so and so's got a hot mom. No. Like, like but she has a line where she goes, Really? I beat Kirsten <laughs> <laughs> Which like says so much of where Julie Cooper's mind is right now. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like there has got to be an element of I'm going to have sex with Luke because he doesn't want to have sex with my rival Kirsten. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like that's like this her best weird friend, point. Of supposedly,
3: crime. right? Like, supposed not even best rival. friend. Yes, her next door neighbor, best friend, daughter of her ex boyfriend, yeah,
2: Lib that's, it's just, it's all so murky and gross. It's the daughter of her ex-boyfriend, and she's fucking her daughter's ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just two. there's, it's too, like, one step away from incestual. Like, it's not incestual, mm-hmm. but it all feels way too close.
3: <laughs> like, Yeah, it's very, I mean, <laughs> this is telegraphing the next episode, but it's very novella. It's very soap opera. Um, yes. I mean it is a soap opera, but just it's it's so it's too much. I guess that's it for the sex, right? For the actual couples who are well, having sex. It's done for the
2: couples that are having sex, but there are still two other storylines that are bouncing around. There are definitely minor storylines in this particular episode, but Sandy Cohen kind of being a little bit of a dick about thanks about Valentine's Day <laughs> and Kirsten's love of it. And Jimmy Cooper's got a not so secret admirer.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the hate for Valentine's Day is very like, it's very like Judd Hirsch, right? It's very crotchety Jew, like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, and I'm, um, but she, but Kirsten also brings up good points. Kirsten's like, you hate my father. You don't want to do it. You complain all the time about living where we live, like things that are like fundamental to this whole, um, fundamental to all of this is that like yeah you complain about my father you hate what i do but like you know i still love you i still you know i still try to do things and also to kirsten this is the holiday that she likes so they got to listen to fucking chrismica guy and you know all this stuff like let her well they have bring that holiday. Up.
2: they bring that up because she's like He's like, it's a fake holiday made up. And she's like, we celebrate a fake holiday every mm-hmm. December because mm-hmm. we let Seth create his own goddamn holiday. Sandy Sandy doesn't really have a foot to stand on in this entire discussion, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, he comes out just looking a little bit like a jerk. I am still in the Sandy Cohen can do no wrong category, but this was a bit of a misstep
3: for sure. But you know what? To kind of go back a little bit, though... I don't know if you were going to talk about this, but I just want to bring it up. Like, he, Daddy Cohen again, dropping the knowledge, being the fucking like you know, growing what, what's his name, Alan Thick from Growing Pains, and yeah. really kind of also just getting to the heart of the matter for uh, for Summer and Seth for right? Summer. No, 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 for um, uh, Marissa and uh Marissa and Ryan because like yeah. after Marissa is you know rebuffed by Ryan and he just goes and ends it. He's just like in his true ways, It's like, don't give up on him. He's used to people. And I was like, oh, that is so re-watching it. I was like, my God, that is so brilliant. It's just like maybe at the moment when people start pushing you away, maybe that's when they need you to kind of lean in a little bit. And yeah, yeah. it was it was no, beautiful. Sh-
2: it is it is a very that's a very good scene. And then the most minor of the plot lines is we get a, a little bit of a throwback to a couple episodes ago with uh, Jimmy and Haley. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But I I, I feel like, again, I I left that being like, this is fairly inconsequential, it (laughs) seems like anyway. Like, like it feels like they're just kind of trying to remind us that Haley's there and that Jimmy's there. But like... Absolutely. Because it's like, do I think that this is... Do I think the big finale is going to be the marriage of Haley and Jimmy Cooper? Like, no. But it's like... Clearly, there's other plans for both of these characters, sure. and they just need to, like, remind us that they're
3: yeah. <laughs> that they're but still also fuck, fuck you, Jimmy, for being like, you know, I'm sneaking around, you know, Kirsten. And it's like, why? Kirsten's a grown adult. Haley's grown up. You know, like, you can't, like, it's very much like, I read it exactly the way that Haley's meant to be thinking about it, is that he still is holding Kirsten high in his, you know, high up on a pedestal.
2: Yeah. No, 100%. Um, But all in all, I enjoyed this episode. This this was an episode I had fun with. Do I love it? No. But I had fun with it. Now, the music (laughs) in this episode... Yeah, right? ...is kind of all over the place. So we've got the song Hello, Sunshine by the Super Furry Animals, which shows up twice. Mm -hmm. It is like the soundtrack... To the Seth and Summer boning session.
3: Yes, very um, much. Very much.
2: <laughs> uh, we've got a song called Bill Oddity by... I have no clue how to pronounce this artist's name. I'm going to say Moab 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the song that plays when Marissa and Seth are both discussing their post-sex stuff to their friends. So... It's kind of one of those classic Marissa and Summer talking, Seth and Ryan are talking, and we're kind of mm-hmm. bouncing back and forth mm-hmm, between the mm-hmm. conversations. Um, Summertime by the Th- Fire Thief plays when Seth is first trying to convince Summer mm-hmm. to give him a second attempt at sex to prove his worth. Sure. Uh, the Squirrel Nut Zippers show up with the song Anything But Love is the music at the Valentine's Day dance. Oh my God. Any excuse to say Squirrel Nut Zippers, man.
3: <laughs> I know.
2: I know. You know, Julie promises that she's going to have a lonely Valentine's Day, just her and some Bob Seger. And when Luke shows up to the house, boy, is Night Moves by Bob Seger playing at full blast.
3: (laughs) Working on those night
2: moves, man. (laughs) And then finally at the end, Summer and Seth decide to take things slow, and they have a slow dance in his bedroom to the sounds of Ryan Adams' cover of Wonderwall. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the question is, Joe... What did you write down as the song of the episode?
3: Uh, so initially, it was "Hello Sunshine," just because, like, it was for given the fact that, like, we we basically see like the beginning part of like Adam Brody's pubes, yeah. Like, it's just a, such a sweet and tender song for how like it ends <laughs> and and what yeah. we see afterwards. But the song that like I actually really liked was uh night moves.
2: <laughs> I also wrote down <laughs> night moves. I th- this is one of the few times where I wrote down things beyond just the song title, cause yeah. I wrote it kinda grosses me out, but probably night moves. <laughs> like, yeah.
3: Yeah. It's it is
2: weirdly the perfect song choice for that scene. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> like, also also too like just know that like that's blasting while like Julie's getting rocked the fuck out by like an 18 year old, right? Like,
2: but for how long the question remains, I don't is she know. getting rock She might be getting, I mean, possibly longer than Seth. I bet that Luke knows what foreplay is for starters.
3: I mean, you know, but- Luke has definitely had sex before. <laughs>
2: Yes, that is true. With her um, daughter. So gross. It's so gross and creepy. Um, I do love the weird choice of like, we can't afford Oasis's Wonderwall, but I wonder if we can get Ryan Adams cover of
3: Wonderwall. <laughs> like- I was like, you should have like, it was... It was not my, it was, it was a choice, right? Like yeah, you should have just, but it was used, the wrong choice. <laughs> it was, well that maybe, maybe on some level, that's part of the meta commentary of it. Right. Is that like, this song is the right moment, but it is the wrong. The song is the right moment, but it's the wrong artist. It's the wrong version of it. Um, I'm going to choose to believe that the music supervisor is that savvy with it. And Let's post this and tag them and see if they agree.
2: Yeah. I I also just could live a happy life not remembering that Ryan Adams exists <laughs> in the world. Uh, but the last thing, my favorite part of our show sometimes, mm-hmm. just the pop culture. What's, what's, what's the pop culture we're digesting uh, right now? So, Joe, I will let you kick us off.
3: So, it came out today. Well, today or yesterday. I think it was yesterday, actually, as of recording this and i've no idea when this episode is going to air but it is the latest barbie trailer yo
2: <laughs> the the conversation around that trailer um i mean i was going to see that movie no matter what mm-hmm. but like with the original trailer mm-hmm. when we saw the original teaser trailer it showed us very little right like it was a 2001 parody yeah and
3: in her original then, outfit, which yeah,
2: yeah, but like I was like, all right, what is this? Because like, is it a comedy? Like, is this gonna be like the Brady Bunch movie? Mm-hmm. Like where it's super meta about it. Sure, but like it's Greta Gerwig who like has made movies that I've really liked that are like way more like subtle. Mm-hmm. And then we get this new trailer, and it's like, oh boy. Yeah this is the I I jokingly posted a thing where it was announced that like Aqua's Barbie girl will not be used anywhere in the movie which I think is a travesty Yeah. because watching this trailer I'm like but this is literally what Aqua was doing with the Barbie girl song like it's it's this acknowledgement of like how ridiculous the obsession over these characters Mm -hmm. and they're like genderless loveless yeah (laughs) <laughs> a life, life, lifestyle it's
3: and like again this is one of those like this movie cannot exist if the uh, concept of the multiverse was not in the public like in the culture right yeah like it it very much is about like a multiversal exist a, a like simultaneous multiversal existence of Barbie and Ken
2: yeah it it's gonna be fun mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a good fun movie but you're right this this is potentially going to be one of those movies where the aura around the movie is bigger than the, the actual film can ever dream of being yep. at this
3: point. And everyone is in this fucking movie. Like everybody. It's like also too. And the thing about it is, is that like, are we going to get any meaningful scenes with Dua Lipa or Nicola Coughlin? Like probably the probably fuck not. not. <laughs> We're going to Dua Lipa is just going to be like, you know, probably singing, 30 seconds of levitating as a fucking mermaid and then gone, right? Like we're, yeah. we're not getting anything meaningful with these folks, but eating it, eating it up. Yes.
2: No, I fully agree with you. I'm actually going to talk about a book I read, Joe. Oh, I sometimes do that. I sometimes he reads. pick up, I, I sometimes pick up a book and I read. Um, One of my favorite writers, uh, Chuck Klosterman, uh, last year put out a book that felt, perfectly written for me. It was my favorite author writing about my favorite decade. He put out an essay book called the nineties. That was just him analyzing the entire decade, uh, and, and kind of pointing out things that could only happen in that decade, as well as things that like completely changed the way we see everything. Um, and, and how it's affected us all the way into 2023. Uh, the, the chapter on the elections of the 90s mm-hmm. is a particularly fascinating uh, one because it really it really does a great job of driving home the idea that like the existence of a Ross Perot and like the groundswell grassroots movement that Ross Perot was able to create even while unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you would be stupid to not see a direct through line. Uh, from that moment all the way up to like the last 8 years. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just this very it's very interesting, it's very well written, it's very well researched. Uh so if you're a fan of literally any aspect of pop culture, uh it's definitely worth grabbing. I'm I have a hard cover. I'm sure by now it has been released in a cheaper soft cover uh which also displays more nicely on your bookshelf. <laughs> um so uh, that's going to be my little pop culture promo slash recommendation but Joe the drama hm. with Teresa is just beginning I thought oh cool they brought her back for an episode you ain't I think seen I, nothing yet baby yeah I think that there's more Teresa to be seen
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so we will be back with more of that I guess
0: what's up everybody this is brian here to tell you about our podcast Bingetown tv our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television we cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at BingetownTV.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast.
1: What? my co-host morgan and i track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from it's like hot sex in a mug we are the maximum mediocrity podcast and we are on all major podcasting platforms we'll be waiting for you
3: you're listening to the geekscape network